Hi everybody, welcome along to episode 16 of the What Do We Know podcast with myself, Mystic J. And no, with, I'm not having it, with me, not having uh, it. With me there is Rob. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> um, lots of games, lots to discuss. Um, a, Man- a Manchester derby, 9 games in total, 29 goals, plenty of high scoring games. 22 of them goals actually coming in over just 5 games. Yeah, it's some very high-scoring games this week. Most of them relatively one-sided. And uh, we're going to start with one of those so we can get a high-scoring game and Jay's first rant of the day out of the way nice and early. <laughs> so we'll start with City's, I don't know, is the right word, demolition of United? Oh, oh yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say that, that probably could be the right word in, in fairness. Um, that's That's what it was. Still, still hurting. A well-deserved four-one. Um, I was listening to the commentary there today, and it's it's nearly like they were giving United plaudits just for showing up for the first half. City were still in control as far as I could see. Yeah. Fair enough. United got a well-worked goal. Pogba's ball was brilliant, and and Sancho really took it well. But City were still in control. Like they just yeah. What, was four, six minutes later, they they got back on top. So. You could like United looked decent, or if you want to say, in the first half, and they kind of they took it to City, which which was good to see, as opposed to maybe just sitting back. I've always said over the years, if you're playing a Guardiola team, even a Klopp team now more recently, I think just go for it. If you if you you can get smashed, but at least you can say, ah, look, we went 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 for it with them instead of just sitting back. So there was an element of that. In United's first half performance, uh, I, I say an element because it wasn't like you said. City were still in control of the first half. Yeah, but United did look half decent going forward, and and but City just looked like they always looked more likely to score when they wanted to. Whereas United, where where they needed kind of a lucky break as well to maybe get that chance. Where where City just opened up yeah. United re- still easily in the first half, and then. The second half that I don't even want to talk about the second half nearly. Well look, let's let's <laughs> let's just focus on the first half for a little bit. I can see what you're saying. United without Ronaldo did look in my opinion, far more cohesive, much more kind of a team unit. They weren't looking for Ronaldo with every with every forward pass. Um the pace of Alanga and Sancho seemed to cause problems for City. Now they seem to remedy that by leaving Kyle Walker back a bit more, who had the pace to kinda at least keep yeah. keep track of those players when they were when they was defending. But the pace and if the two of them had been running at him, the pace could have caused a problem. They seemed to try and change things up then when they brought on um Rashford and Lingard for some reason. Yeah. And taking off Pogba, who, while he wasn't having a great game, was still fairly influential in the middle by wrapping out passes and finding the, the best option going forward. Um, but De Bruyne's, his two goals were, were special. First well, I wouldn't one, say just special. Uh, his feet for the second one was magic. It's, yeah, well, like, yeah, three but, men around him. He just and just took his time. It was, it was, he had all the time in the world, and he was four yards out from from the no, goal. It him, was like. it was very composed. The second one, the, the first one is just well bad defending. They're well, they're both bad defending. Should have been blocking the cross initially. The second one, Ilanga gives it away when we're in possession. You know, I I do see your point. It was it was very composed by uh, De Bruyne. The 
So a best, lot of players wouldn't have that composure yeah, there. In a, the, in the, a best part thought, the best part I thought about the second goal was Foden's little flick yeah. over, over, over Lindelof. Lindelof. And then yeah. buried a shot on a fantastic save by De Gea. Um, and then eventually, obviously, it fell to De Bruyne. But yeah, he did. Yeah. He did finish it well. But Foden's another player. He's very impressive. And uh, he's only going to keep getting better. He's still he's still so young. He's just yeah. absolutely brilliant. Like No, he's definitely the future for City um, but yeah and then I, I just I don't know touching on what you said about Pogba I, I actually thought that myself I thought like that he wasn't brilliant well no player was brilliant but I thought maybe take off Fred or McTominay and put Pogba there yeah. And then you're already two one down. Yeah. What what difference does it make? Like? And we were we were fucking worse off when we brought Rashford and Lingard on anyway. Like so, yeah, it was a it was a strange one. But I just I don't know what's what's going on with. Like I said, half decent in the first half, but then I don't know what Ranić to say to them at half time, because numerous times this season they come out and just play ten times worse, and that that happened again today. Granted, you're playing against an unbelievable City team, but they were just walking. All over the place, you know. At two one, they had probably given up. At three one, they definitely gave up, and they were just like there was little things like even you know the ball goes out for a goal kick. There was no urgency to where you get the ball. We're chasing the game here. It was just walk and pace, and so it was just, it was just shocking. And there was the stat, wasn't there? For the fifteen minutes after the last fifteen minutes from when City scored yeah. the third goal, ninety two percent possession to eight yeah. percent. Like that is shocking stuff. Yeah, and that was with City cruising at four one, like, uh, well three one. Sorry, but they, was, they were yeah. still cruising, like, like the only, the only even not not that it's a positive that I could take out of the game is that it wasn't more like because they just could have been. Yeah, they could even in the fourth half they could have gone yeah. into another another gear. The um, game made a few good saves again, yeah. and look, we were given they were given out with him last year. He hadn't had his great season. There was a big talk of Henderson taking over for him, but. He's been very, uh, he's been very composed and very he's good only, this year. The only player I think you can actually say you wouldn't get rid of. Like, if if you're to go one by one and say, would you keep or get rid of? Obviously. Jesus, you're. No, what, I'm just. What was I'm it, not, three weeks ago you said three players that you wanted to keep and now you're down to one? No, well, I, I mean more as in <laughs> everyone would, would agree with it. Like, yeah. you know, if, if I said I'd keep Bruno, there'd be plenty of people saying, no, get rid of him. But I, I can yeah. see the majority of people would agree that you say you'd keep the gay. That's that's what I mean. I, I would still keep a few others, but I just I just getting at the point that you can't fault the gay this yeah. season or today, whereas you can fault the rest of them, like you know. Yeah. The two other players that you said in that list a couple of weeks ago were Ronaldo and and Bruno, like you said. Now Ronaldo we're not sure yet. There's reports either he was dropped or he had a hip injury. I don't think either has been fully confirmed yet. Um, but Bruno didn't have a good game either. And he hasn't been performing to the max of his capabilities consistently for a good while this season. I, I agree with that to an extent. I, I think there's a... He does a lot of pissing and moaning, which pisses people off. And I understand that. And he has the, the dives in him. But... I think there's almost a bit of a, a vendetta against him because his his stats this season are still up there with De Bruyne, who were completely lauded, like you know. So, uh, maybe because he came on the scene and done so well, where we have such a high standard of him. But I think he's, 
he's done all right this season. I don't think he's been bad. It's just it's just been a bad United team. Like, and... yeah, look, you're right. He hasn't been bad. I just don't think he's hit nearly the heights that he did. He hasn't been as consistently good as he was last season. Yeah, he was phenomenal last season and was the standout player by a mile. I don't think you can say that about him this year. Even disregarding David De Gea. Yeah, no, I can see your point. I can see why you think that, and I can't like I can't disagree with you on it either. Like, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's I just think it is. There's an element of United, which I'd never thought would have happened this season. They're actually probably worse now than they were last season, which is when which is what makes more criticism come in. Which is where you compare things to last season and how good Bruno probably was. But yeah, it's just it's a strange one. They're just so bad, so bad all over the pitch. Walking. They were just walking for the last half an hour, pretty much. Even there was one point Pogba gave it was actually in the first half, Pogba gave the ball away, a terrible pass um to McTominay and City counterattacked. Pogba didn't even try to get back for it. But then Foden got through, kind of dragged his shot wide, but not one player turned and had a go at Pogba. You know, they all just took it as like, oh yeah, whatever. It's like, you should be fucking yeah. abused, not abusing them, but you know, going mad at him, say, get yeah. back. You fucking yeah. gave the ball away, you get back. Like, then he get at him to not do it again. Yeah, and then like, the same, I touched on it before about Maguire, when we are saying about how bad he's been, but there was a game where he was just happy to pass the ball to somebody, so he didn't lose it, even though he was putting the player under pressure. That that was happening all across the, the back four. They were all just happy to yeah. pass it to someone, and then they weren't looking for it. They were like, my job's done. I haven't given the ball away. Um, yeah. And then even, I was looking at, at the end of the game, Maguire walking off, not an ounce of sweat on him. And then they cut to De Bruyne, who got substituted for the last 10 minutes. And he was still sweating. So he had 10 minutes sitting on the bench. He's still pumping sweat from all the, the work he'd have done. Maguire's after playing the full 90 minutes plus stoppage time and not an ounce of sweat on him. Like. So where's the problem? Fuck knows. <laughs> 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 We're going to be... It's another one of them. Like, oh, it's a, you know they're going to have to rebuild. They've been rebuilding for the la- since Ferguson <laughs> left. Like so. Well, well is, it, is it a complete another top to tail overhaul is it a new manager that has to literally be given a summer or something to get their their thoughts and formations and and statistics and and, uh, tactics in or is it just that the players don't want to be there you could see a couple of players Alanga was giving it socks a couple of times there McTominay is another one who'll go in and after the Leeds game a couple of weeks ago was showing off his battle wounds after like you said throwing in tackles when he had no business to at left right and centre it's there are some players who want to play, but you need the entire team to buy into that. Well, that's it. the 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 real telling point for me is I I don't think any manager could go in with that squad and turn them into a good team. There's just something in them particular players. I don't know where it's coming from or what, but they just don't have that fight to be top top players. You know, they're some of them are very good, and one or two of them, Bruno might go on. Sancho's coming good. Uh, the guy obviously has been good over the years, but the majority of them just aren't good enough. And out of the ones that might be good enough, don't seem to have the the real fight to push and do what you can for the for the for the yeah, team. See, the, 
the fight for the team, I think, is what you is what you're saying yeah. there. Is what I see as the issue. A lot of those players are top world class players. The likes, and now I know he wasn't playing, but the likes of Varane, the likes of Pogba, World Cup winners, the likes of um, Ronaldo, Bruno. Like even Lindelof has been coming into his own a little bit. He's been much much better. I'd much rather him than Maguire if I was picking a team tomorrow. Yeah, I, uh, me too. <laughs> but it there just doesn't seem to be the the desire to be top top as a team. They they know they're 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 top class individuals. Um, and for like the likes of Sancho, who's so young, who's had good money spent on him a couple of times now between Dortmund and United and everyone else. They just don't have that want and desire to be a top class team while being top class players. Yeah, okay, I get, I agree with that, and it's just it it goes back to the question where you 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 said there was like what's wrong or how would you fix it? It's like I don't know, but like yeah, we just keep ruining players. Like that's that's the problem. It's you know we Salah could come to us. Not that he obviously he ever would, but I mean, just in a in a crazy world or whatever, if Salah joined United, we'd turn him into a shy player. Be selling him to Charlton for fifty quid I mean. next week. He's the best player <laughs> in the world probably at the moment. You know, we we would actually turn him into shy. I, I don't know why that happens, but it's just been happening now for the last few years. Any player, top player or up and coming, we just we just make them worse. And you, do you do you think it might be the atmosphere, the ideology of United, where players are lauded, and that kind of never happened with Ferguson? He was the mouth in the in the dressing room. He was the brain of the team. It now it seems like the players are ruling the roost a little bit more, or a lot more probably yeah. than they had been. Well, there's there obviously there is that player power, and they're all on mad money, and I think you can clearly see they don't them results don't really bother them too much. They're happy to get there their paycheck like but at the same time Gary Level Gary Neville alluded to it loads of times over probably a few seasons now that it's not like it's just these players are on so much money they're not bothered because then you look at how Klopp has his players working for him how Guardiola has his they're on ridiculous money but they fight for the cause so so it's something within United's DNA now that I'm sure I'm sure the problem is no one can put their finger on it that's why it's still happening so, yeah. don't know if it stems from the Glazers or, or what what. Well, they they are a problem, but I just don't know what what the actual can't put me, me finger on the actual problem as to why we keep making players worse and just can't. Can't take any steps forward, really. <laughs> well, then, just kind of, I suppose the last question before I move on. Then, if I put it to you, what would you like to see done, with? the team or players or transfers or, or management or wherever else that you think might make a positive difference? Get rid of the Glazers. That's step one? Yeah. Do you think things will, will fall in line after that or will there be a lot more know. changes fall be down beyond it? In fairness to the Glazers, like, like all the fans want them out and, and rightly so, but they have pumped money into the transfers. Yeah. You know, but they haven't put money into the club the old Trafford needs serious renovation, all things like serious that. Serious so, work, yeah. Like they, they use United for their debts and everything. So like they have to go. That's one that's the, the number one thing I think that has to happen. But like you said, I don't think that'll mean everything else will have to fall into place. So it probably needs a complete overhaul. Um 
and then you're another 10 years before you get back to where you want to be but yeah it's a long process once you get into that yeah i don't know just today showed how far off they are compared to the start of the season when now i never thought we were going to win the league but there was a lot of United fans and a lot of rival fans thinking United are looking good for, you know, third, even to maybe push for second. But here we are miles off again. So there's, it just shows the massive gap there is that they have to try close, even even just a third, never mind second or first. Yeah. Like they're, they're fifth now. Um, I think it's two, point, or two points ahead of West Ham and sixth. And then with Spurs in seventh, who have I think two games in hand, and they're only a couple of points ahead of them, so it's yeah, it, European football is not guaranteed yet. No, like. Arsenal have three games in hand, I think, in fourth as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I actually think fourth is gone. I think. Um. The only way they'll be in the Champions League next year is if pigs fly and United win the Champions League. <laughs> well at least your feet are firmly on the ground look we want to get that out of the way to, to, so we can actually talk about the rest of these games without yeah, you being upset yeah. and wor- worried, worrying about having to talk to it so we'll get another thing out of the way for you and move on to a, your first 60 second yeah. summary if you want it's the only problem just so this isn't a rant but just touching back on the way we, we can keep going on like as we always say we record on Sunday nights like that game is just over so it's still very raw. That's why yeah. sometimes the game might have been on the Saturday and I've had a bit of time to calm down so I don't keep going on and on too much. <laughs> I, I think you're worse if the game's on a Saturday because you've had time to think about More it and know what you're, you want to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I right, sure will. We'll, we'll box that off anyway. <laughs> yeah, who are you going for with your first 60 second summary? The first one, I've got Leicester and Leeds. Right, whenever you're ready, so. Okay. So Leicester seemed to have torn the corner um, playing a bit bit of better football recently, winning three of their last four. Leeds, on the other hand, have lost five of their last six. And as we know, sacked Bielsa and have now appointed American Ted Lasso. Or sorry, uh, (laughs) Jesse Marsh. Um, Leeds started the game off well with Dan James forcing a good save from Schmeichel. Then Dan James turned provider and Harrison then forced a good save from Schmeichel. First half finished nil all. Leeds pretty much dominated it in fairness. And second half started off the same. Um, Rodrigo this time forcing a good save from Schmeichel. It really was chance after chance for Leeds. Followed by save after save by Schmeichel. Next up it was Rafinha who got a good cross from Firpo. Six yards out. And you guessed it. Schmeichel saves it. Then Leicester's first chance of the game. A nice one-two between Barnes and Indianacho. Uh, falls to Barnes who slots it away in the far corner game finished 1-0 was very unlucky on Leeds in fairness yeah Jesus they were by far on top I thought and just just couldn't finish that's that's basically what it was um, they could have won they could have won the game 4-5-1 um, but I suppose they didn't concede as much as they have been in recent games but then in saying that the only real chance Leicester had Leeds conceded so um. Yeah. It was they were unlucky though? In fairness, and sometimes that's what happens when it's you're down that end of be. the table. It just doesn't doesn't yeah. seem to go for you. But. Yeah. Look, rock, rock steady in that relegation battle now. I think they are. So, some look like you said they haven't conceded as as many as possibly usual. They seemed a little bit more settled at the back. 
Dan James had quite a good game running that defenders. If they can just turn that belief, I suppose, to use another one of your Ted Lasso terms, <laughs> um, if they can just believe and hopefully turn a few of these results around, depending on their run-in, I'd love to see them stay up, but it's a definite dogfight from now on. Yeah, it's going to be tough, as we said. Um, they just need to maybe get that that one result that, even if it's a draw, it might kick them on to, to turn their fortunes around a bit, but it's going to be tough tough for the the new manager as well to, to come in at the stage where I suppose they're still, what, 11, 11 or 12 games to go, so yeah. he might be able to implement his style quick-ish if, if he can, and it might help them, but, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens with them. Yeah, sure, look, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, move on, I suppose, to an, another high-scoring game this week, Aston Villa and Southampton. Yeah, 4-0 to Villa. Um and Southampton have been flying recently, so that was a, a bit of a shock. Yeah, it re- really was. like, And Watkins with a cracker. Oh, Louis with a cracker. Yeah. Coutinho with a cracker. <laughs> and then Ings just kind of putting the icing on the cake. And they could have had six or seven. Yeah. Coutinho, Coutinho had two more chances. I was going to say, he, yeah, Coutinho could have had a hat. Running the show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's been, he, he, he's like the Coutinho from Liverpool, isn't he? Um, yeah. He's just he's, he's just, just hit the ground, hit it's, the ground running he, for them. It's yeah, it's it's magic. He's a, it's great to see him playing like that again. Um, because obviously he did have some tough times at Barca and Bayern. So Villa will be probably hoping they can hold on to him for next season. Hundred percent. And the Premier League just seems to suit him, doesn't it? Yeah. They, it's a it's a league that is physical, but and he's small, he's nippy, similar to the Lewis that Liverpool bought. He's that kind of just playmaker just get the head down go with it and something's yeah. gonna happen um but the lewis goal especially great ball in to the back post square ball from coutinho goal and then coutinho like such tight um quarters he was in with the defense in, in inside the six air box and just managed to get it past the keeper yeah now look it looked like there was no point shooting from from where he was or he yeah. wasn't going to get the angle but he he got the angle all right, and then that was probably his harder chance out of out of the few he had. And as as it happens sometimes, they're the ones you score, and the easier ones you miss. But but yeah, yeah he was, as I said, brilliant and good goals all around. Villa, after a bad kind of patch there, they lost it two games to the the relegation teams or so, and we kind of thought they might be. You know, the honeymoon period was over for Gerard. Um. Well, either way, the honeymoon, yeah, the honeymoon period is obviously over anyway, but, but yeah, they're definitely back playing good football in between last week and yeah. now this week, beating, like you said, a, a, an informed Southampton team. They absolutely hammered them. Yeah, it's it's an aspect of Gerrard's team's play, though. It was the same at Rangers. They play a really attractive style of football. Now, if you can pick it apart, it's not. it doesn't seem to be the kind of thing that you can set up well against. But you just get might get lucky on the day that your players are just winning their battles. They won Villa won their battles today. They were by far the better side, well worth their four 0 win. And they like I said, Gerard just has a really attractive style of football that's good to watch and is conducive to getting wins as well. Yeah, no, he's definitely one that I think will go on to be a top manager. Um obviously we've got some there's very few probably 
managers now that have been top players and are, are top managers. Um, I think Gerard might be one of them. If he keeps going the way he's going, he, he's definitely going to move on to bigger and better things. He might even do some, some good things with Villa. Who knows? But, but yeah, he is looking yeah. good. Give him a full season and I'm going to see. Yeah. But um, not much else to talk about in that other than the fact it was an absolute hammering by Villa. Fair play to them. Yeah. So we move on to your 460 second summary. Who are you going for? Uh, Newcastle and Brighton. Oh, not bad, yeah. So whenever you're ready then. Grand. So a settled Newcastle side took on Brighton, who themselves had a host of changes to the starting lineup that was beaten 2-0 by Aston Villa last weekend. Both teams started brightly with Ryan Fraser drawing a save from Sanchez, although the Newcastle man should have done better, and Shane Duffy heading wide from a corner for Brighton. The game sprang into life on the 12th minute when Brighton lost the ball sloppily deep in the Newcastle half and were left chasing as Jacob Murphy's pace saw him drive past the last man and connect with the through ball. He lifted the ball beautifully over Sanchez, only to see his effort hit the post, but luckily Ryan Fraser reacted quickest to bury the rebound from six yards out. Two minutes later, Murphy's pace and trickery pushed Brighton into conceding a free kick. The delivery from Fraser saw Shar meet it perfectly with a header and beat Sanchez at his front post. First time in six years Newcastle have gone 2-0 up inside the first quarter of a Premier League game. A Lewis Dunk header just before the hour mark turned out to be nothing more than a consolation goal for Brighton who matched their worst Premier League losing streak of four games with that loss. Newcastle, two win winners and worth it. Okay, very good. Um, yeah, Newcastle have just torn the corner. Turned a massive corner, haven't they? Jesus. Look, yeah. partially probably because of the money, but Eddie Howe is doing a serious job in there. No, he it's... must be doing, because they were awful to watch, yeah. and now they're winning games comfortably. No, he's, he is a good manager, in fairness to him. He actually... It's good to see as well with uh, Ryan Fraser because he had him um, at Bournemouth, wasn't it? Um, yeah. When they were in the championship and they had a fallen out and they sold yeah. him to Newcastle and then Eddie Howe ends up being the manager and Fraser's probably thinking, oh, fuck's sake. But, yeah, um, I'm in trouble here Apparently again. they had a chat and they they got over whatever it was that they, they got over and it's working because he's been brilliant for them. So it was good to see them, to yeah. see Fraser be able to turn around. But yeah, Newcastle, if they keep going the way they're going, they'll a couple more games. They'll actually be safe. They, they <laughs> look, they're they're fourteenth at the minute. It, it'll probably be a bit of a stretch, but if they keep going the way they're going, they could end up top half. That would be unheard of. <laughs> that would be madness. <laughs> and and just to kind of point out as well, there was a choice Donny Van der Beek made between Newcastle and Everton, and apparently the decision was made because he didn't want to be in a relegation battle. He's in fucking <laughs> trouble now. <laughs> Bad decision there. Jesus. Yeah. And who would have thought at the time? Yeah, no, you would have, in fairness, at the time, you'd have been like, yeah, he's made a right call there. Yeah, look, but, uh, not uh, much more said about that. Newcastle definitely on the up. And Brighton being a team who are, have been quite well. We said last week, I think, that Brighton didn't deserve a 2-0 loss against Aston Villa. They they deserved that loss today. Yeah. And like that, as you said last week, they, they just seem to have kind of gone the opposite. Brighton have almost... Uh, we touched on are they at that stage of the season where there's not much else for them to fight for so they're already on their holidays and as we yeah. said it shouldn't be that stage because they still have possibly getting to the you the UEFA Conference League but yeah who knows well, they dropped they dropped Mopay today for oh sorry this weekend for Welbeck and I just think Mopay and Trossard just they just link better together they have yeah. a better understanding of each other Welbeck is 
look, don't get me wrong, he's he's probably, if not a definite Premier League striker quality, he's very, very close to a championship at worst. But I just think he's the backup. The other two lads are, are by far and away better on the day. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. But yeah, so that's it for your first 60 seconds. So we move on to yeah. our next game then. We're going to look at it's Burnley against Chelsea. Another high-scoring game. Yeah. And in my opinion, a massive game of two halves. Burnley had ample opportunity to go in at the break ahead. 100%. They were by far the better team in the first yeah. half. And like at, at the very least, if they didn't go in ahead, they, they deserved to go in a, a draw, which they did do. But you would yeah. have been expecting them to come out fighting, fighting as, and, and then they just fell apart. In the, I suppose there was yeah. a 10-minute spell. Um, three minutes, yeah, three three nil down within ten minutes. Yeah, so game game over. Do you know? That that was it, and we, it's unlike Burnley in fairness to be so um, so lax like that. Uh, especially coming they in were from half dire. They were absolutely dire at the back. Yeah, whatever Again, about Reece James. Yeah, very unlike them. They they set up well and they're hard to to to, to score against. Four nil at home is is nearly unheard of, but other than James's goal, relatively well worked. Tight angle, but put put in the far post. Havertz, both goals and Pulisic's goal, awful. Def- especially Pulisic, Pulisic defender especially. pushed it back at him. Like, yeah, was a basically an assist by the defender himself. It, yeah, 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 awful stuff. It was all things that you. The first half was all things that you would associate with Burnley. What 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 they usually do. The second half was things that you never yeah. associate Burnley with. They're, yeah, they're exactly. never bad like that in defense, and and they don't fall apart the way they did. So it was a a, bo- a ball a fell to Dwight McNeil. Yeah, a ball fell to Dwight McNeil in the first half, and he put it over. Now Rudiger was on the line, I think. So fair enough, he had to lift it. But he Mendy was in no man's land. There were two defenders on the on the line, one at each post, kind of, and he just missed the target. Yeah, he was he was about eight yards out. It's. It's little things like that, that that could have turned the game for them and they could have gone in 1-0 at halftime. It's not to say Chelsea wouldn't have come out and demolished them as they did in the second half, but you you said before, you miss 100% of the chances you don't take. They missed 100% of the chances they did take, <laughs> so they just need that little bit of luck to come yeah. to come their way. Now that's it. Like you said, if they go in, at, he did score that, and they go in at 1-0 at halftime, it's a completely different team talk. Um, yeah. For Sean Dyche, they they come out probably differently in the second half with something to defend. Whereas, yeah. Now I'm saying that they were probably still weren't fighting too much to get the win at, when when it was half time because a draw to Chelsea is still a good point for them. But if they did manage to go in one nil, I do I don't think they'd have completely fallen apart like they did in that second half. But but yeah, good. It, it, it flatters Chelsea a bit because it Chelsea bit, weren't. Yeah. They weren't that great. It was just more Burnley being bad in the second half because Chelsea yeah. haven't been great for a while now, as we know. And it was kind of, especially the fourth half, it was more of the same from Chelsea, just, just not really creating. Yeah, no drive. Really. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I've, I've, look, of of the four, five, six teams probably that are still in the relegation battle, it's Burnley and Leeds that I'd like to see stay up. I couldn't care less about the rest of them. The only other one that'd be there or thereabouts in my wanting to stay up would be Everton because I'd like to see if Lampard can get them playing good football and and playing a yeah. decent style because they're they're a big side. They've been on the decline for the last since Benitez really I think, um and I'd just like to see if they can, that can be turned around by a young manager because they're very they're few and far between young, like that young I suppose, um relatively good managers himself. 
Gerard, like the likes of Ten Hag, I suppose, would be there thereabouts, and Arteta. and even Guardiola and Klopp, Arteta, yeah, aren't a million miles away. But it's just we've we've had our golden age, I think, of of managers with the likes of Ferguson of. Mourinho, Pochettino, when they were playing all all around the same time and getting good results, we need a new group of managers because when when play, when players leave or when managers leave clubs now, you don't have that first instance of he can go there, he's available. Do you know you have to kind of go Jesus, who's left? Yeah, they've either retired or they've gone away or they're they're with a club or whatever. So just to have a a, a cache of new managers that you can think of and kind of have a bit to say about would be nice to have. Yeah, on the complete flip side to what you're saying there, though, I'd love it if Everton got relegated. We were saying about Newcastle not so long ago, so... Oh, well, yeah, but, but I did say that I think Newcastle will stay up, Mystic J and all, you know. But, but um, I just I, I just think it'd be gas just to see Everton go down. Because, similar, well, not similar to Newcastle, because Newcastle were relegated recent enough. But, like, Everton... I don't think Everton have ever been relegated. Um, yeah, I think there's only five or six teams yeah. left that haven't ever been regu- so, relegated from the Premier so League. So kind of, not that you like to see, but it's just because it's a different team. It's a, it's a shock. Um, and I do think it would just be funny for for a big fat Frank Lampard. Yeah. <laughs> right. Stop well, look, we'll leave it at that. So Frank you, oh. Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we might, we might have a quick chat about them later on with their match to, on Monday night against Spurs. But uh, for now, we'll move on to your second 60-second summary. Who are you going with? We've got the Scousers and West Ham. All right. Well, best of luck. So Liverpool obviously flying high at the moment and West Ham have been a bit hot and cold lately. Um, so one thing, though, I think is worth mentioning that happened pre-match is some Liverpool fans hired a plane to fly over Anfield with the message Cats Lives Matter. I just love that shithousery. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on to the game. And not a whole lot to talk about really. Liverpool dominated the first half possession wise but didn't create an awful lot until um not long before half time Mane got onto the end of a Trent shot come cross, so one nil half time. West Ham always looked dangerous on the counter attack and with Liverpool's high line it was quite easy for them to get through. And they had enough chances to win the match, but some woeful finishing uh, let Liverpool off the hook, really. Farnells, Bowen, Antonio and Lanzini all squandering massive chances, especially Lanzini, who found himself six yards out at one stage and blasted over the bar. Diaz was brilliant for Liverpool, but overall, they were lucky not to drop any points. Yeah, not so bad. We've said that before about Liverpool, they're... If they play such a high line that if you have someone with a bit of pace and a bit of strength to get in behind, you can be in trouble. Lanzini and Fornals both that run from Fornals and was was phenomenal. Wasn't yeah. offside, just timed perfection. But when you looked at it from the the second angle, there was no Newcastle player within, or sorry, no no Liverpool player, sorry, within twelve fifteen yeah. yards. He just had acres of space. Oh, it was it was like he pretty much had the whole of Liverpool's half to himself. Yeah, and it was even. Like he was so high, he was clearly on side, and I just thought, I know you're you're in the heat of it in the game and all that, but Trent went and absolutely uh, uh, had a a mad one at the linesman, like you know, giving him all this yeah. is in to say, Farnells was was miles offside. He was miles off. He cleared on. it off the line. Yeah. yeah, it was like you you 
it's because of your line why he was on. So don't be, you know, but like I said, yeah. it's in the heat of the moment. Obviously, he thought he was offside, but but yeah, it's just I know it's that whole high high line, high risk, but high reward because if you yeah. if you catch people out, then you can, or if you press high and you get the ball back, you'll score quicker. But it's just yeah. we've said it loads of times over the duration of the podcast. It's just it's so easy to get in behind them and. They've they've been blessed quite a lot throughout the season with just poor finishing, yeah. or some good defending, some good last ditch defending uh, with players yeah. getting quick, back. Quick wing backs help that as well, yeah, you know. Yeah. No, and yet you, you but, like you applaud them for that because that's that's yeah. part of why they can play that system because they do have the the pace in defence. But I just think eventually it's gonna it's really gonna cost them whether it be in the yeah. Champions League or the league or both. Like, but the line was that high that Fernald was nearly onside because he was in his own half. Yeah, it wasn't so it wasn't huge difference between where the line was and his and the halfway line. If that had been five yards further up, four yards further up, he'd have been in his own half and there would have been nothing said about exactly, it because they, yeah. they can't. So the high line is definitely something that, like you said, high risk, high reward. And at the moment it's given them high reward, but I do think they will be found out and a pacey, pacey attacker and someone in midfield who can play that ball. Even the likes of Crystal Palace with, with Zaha and Gallagher could yeah. cause tr- trouble from not necessarily City or Chelsea or teams like that that have have the the, the quality. There's there's teams there that could do damage to them low, much lower down the t- the table because yeah. of that structure. Yeah, look, they have the obviously the attack imperative a serious front five now with uh, yeah. Diaz coming in and then obviously Jota Salah sure, Salah effort. Firmino two minutes in yeah that's like, all I've ever no, two minutes I mean. in they, they have that ability that they, they can still outscore you so if they do get caught yeah. on the high line um, they, they have the ability to score two or three on you but there will be games like what happened on Saturday where it was always going to be a tough game against West Ham but it was one of them off days that happens where the attackers weren't on their game apart from Diaz who was brilliant as I said but other than that the others weren't really on their game. So if they had a bad game and did get caught out by it, it could have been easily been a, a one-all or a 2-1 to West Ham. So yeah. they, they definitely rolled their luck. You obviously have to have that luck as well if you're when you're yeah. fighting for the league and fighting there, for places. There's one, there's one more thing I want to bring up now. It's not necessarily match-related before I move on. But have you heard the Liverpool out on the radio the last couple of weeks? No. <laughs> There, uh, there's, there's an ad out at the minute where Liverpool are trying to ask fans to pay for paving slabs with their name on it or a name or a message or whatever and it'll be put down on a new concourse. One of the richest clubs in world football who have a net positive buy and sell ratio, they're in the green and the money and that, are trying to get their fans not only to pay for tickets that would fund the, the, the club, they're trying to get them to pave a fucking pathway. <laughs> are you shocked? Are you shocked with these? Yeah, scouts? well, <laughs> yes, I actually am. It's literally, it's and it's it's not even like it's on a local Liverpool radio station. It's on a Dublin-based radio station in Ireland. Lads, come on! <laughs> like I would say, desperate times cause for desperate measures. Oh. But as you said, they're like it's not in, it's in not the desperate green times on, the, on their money. Yeah, there's no desperate times at all. But, but oh. so not only are they asking for. Are giving fans the opportunity to have their a message or their name, uh, on the on the brick itself. But you also have to pay for the brick. 
Yeah, so to pay to have it, it so engraved not, on the brick. Yeah, so it's and not then even it goes in the to pay for the engravement. They're also charging you for the brick, which they're going to lay. So, I'm, so they're I'm, covering yeah, their... I'm sure they're... <laughs> their costs, yeah. I'm, yeah, sure, I'm sure they're going to put it as, oh no, we, we buy the brick and you just you just pay to have the engravement on it or whatever. But I guarantee you, the brick's covered in the cost of the engraving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, so they're, they're only a cobble off brick, like, it's not going to cost 100 or 200 quid to get it engraved, you know? They're like, come on, fuck Madness. It. we'll screw over the fans here, we'll tell them they can get their name, but really, they'll, oh. just, they'll just pay to have the, the, the ground paid I just want to know there. if they're going to... Yeah, I want to know if they're getting them sold. Like, <laughs> what? At least, right, you can have it, pay for your slab, and we'll give you a ticket, to one ticket to a game as well. That cost them nothing. <laughs> Well, you're not going to do that with tickets, oh. unless it's at City or I, something I, where you can buy one, get one free. Yeah. But. yeah. <laughs> no, I I laugh every time I'm driving into work and I hear that on the radio. I, I just can't heard that. get I'll my probably, head around that. I probably that hear that now every time. Um, yeah. Although in saying that, I don't really listen to, to the radio. I listen to podcasts and our podcast, which is what everyone else should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on that note, we will move on to. Um, what are we doing? We've got Norwich and Brentford then. Yeah. Right. We pulled up... The course I mean, of the d- podcast. D- Jesus Christ, how do we keep doing this? <laughs> we pulled up Ivan Tony last week and said he's not really doing what he's, we thought he'd do in the Premier League hat-trick this week. And not just a hat-trick as in, like, in any old game, in a a, a game where they needed him most. A, yeah. game, a game where you want your big players to stand up he goes yeah, in slipping into that happen. relegation fight yeah, yeah. and you're just a bit out of touch and you're hoping things go well. Fair enough, two of them were penos, but he stuck the two of them away. Exact same spot, exact same run-up, no bother to him. One step run-up. Yeah. No, it doesn't fill me with confidence, but Jesus, he's good at it. Like. <laughs> yeah. Poor L. Gibson. Two tackles, two penos. Yeah. Not good, but yeah, he, yeah I don't no. know. It's a boy, well, actually, you know what? We should start doing Start. Well, no, uh, we are doing it. it well, how come the course the podcast doesn't work when we're fucking abusing the United players? <laughs> <laughs> they still go out and play shite, but every other player will abuse. <laughs> yeah, we have we haven't really abused a, a huge amount of players, but like the Wolves thing, don't score, don't concede. They turned around and started winning games left, right, and center. Uh, Tony not doing what he's supposed to do in the league scores a hat trick. There's another one or two as well. I can't think of now off the off the top yeah. of my head, but there was one or two that we. Well, I had my my slip up with Leeds. I don't know if if the lads will forgive me for that. What? R- Rafinha. Oh, Rafinha. Yeah. Well, that was it. And one. Harry Kane was another one. I think wasn't Harry it? Kane. Yeah. We no, we had a few where we were criticizing them for not being good enough and are not playing to their potential, and then the next week they yeah, go out and they turn around. Shows up. Maybe they're listening. Well, look, on a, on, a, on a different kind of step to this game, Christian Eriksen started yeah, and finished. So it was great great to see him back fully playing. I know we mentioned him last week, but it was great to see. And I don't know if you saw it, but uh, at one point, himself and Brandon Williams were were tussling for a tackle and, and uh, Eriksen brought him down. Williams was about to go at him for taking him down. Saw so it was Eriksen, yeah. just gave him a hug, got up and ran away. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen it. I thought it was good, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, if I'm if I'm Ericsson in that situation, I'm kind of I'd be like, here, I don't want this preferential treatment shite. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. if you're gonna me fucking, get on with that's it. mean if you're gonna fucking <laughs> dig me, do it. Like don't just hug me because because yeah. I'm just coming back in. Like you know, but but no, it was it was funny and it was good to see though. Yeah. Well, look, 
Uh, look, not a huge amount to say that. Pookie with a very late consolation, 90 plus 2. Norwich are short of an absolute miracle gone, in my opinion. Ah, uh, definitely. Uh, I think even a miracle won't save them at this stage, but Brentford's still in very real possibilities of staying up, but just edging closer to that. Well, they push themselves away from it now, but we're edging closer. To yeah, that they, needed, they needed that win. It was a big win. Not just because it was against Norwich, but, but just they hadn't had a win in a while, so they just needed to to get some points on the table. So, good one for them. And see if they can kick on from there. And hopefully they stay up, because as we said, we, we'd like to see them stay up just in general, because they play well. Only got promoted. It's yeah. good to see teams like that do good well. Style of football, yeah. yeah. Try and avoid as many yo-yo clubs as we can. Exactly, yeah. So, on that one then... Then move on to your final 60-second summary. So, what one have you got? I'm going with Wolves and Palace. Ah, Wolves and Palace, yeah. Yeah, so another team that made liars of us, but sure, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're... Don't score and don't concede. Well, they're half right again this week, I suppose, in the wrong way. Do you want to be ready? Sam. So, Wolves have already equaled their win tally from last season with 12, but we're up against the Palace side who they have failed to take any points off in their last three meetings. Palace are also unbeaten away from home in 2022. Palace started better and saw Jeffrey Schlupp outmuscle Daniel Podence to drive a goal. The Wolves defence watching and saw his strike drift just wide of the far post. Just wide being massively wide. Uh, this is a sign of things to come with Gallagher's playing a great ball down the right wing to find Zaha, who squared it to Mateta. His first, job, his first touch seemed to lob over Jose Sa. Uh, as he bent down to collect the ball and Mateta was the first to, re- to react and tap into an empty net for his fourth goal of the season. Wolves constantly put themselves under pressure and this came to a head in the 34th minute after prolonged Palace pressure. Jeffrey Schluck drove at goal and was taken down the box by Max Kilman and Andrew Madley pointed to the penalty spot. Wilfred Zaha buried it in the roof of the net despite Jose Sa getting right with his dive. Palace would have won it by more if not for Jose Sam making a couple of great saves from Gallagher and Elise, but a poor Wolves performance saw three points deservedly head back to London. Okay, slightly over there, um, yeah. but still um, still better than, than you have been. You're definitely getting better. Um, getting the hang of it, all right, yeah. It seems like you're not looking at Google anymore as well, so fair play. <laughs> well done on that. Well, the mix-up of the words there would give you give it away anyway, right? <laughs> but yeah, um... Wolves being like one thing we did say about them recently is just how hot and cold they are. Yeah, and um, they proved it again. Proved again, yeah. So, um, yeah, good win for Palace. Um, but Palace, well. yeah, like Wolves are an eight. Palace are very quietly, nicely settled in tenth. Yeah. So very little to do about them. Very little fuss about them. But just quietly going about their business and are safe. Do you know they're not gonna be winning the league they're not going to be relegated but this gives them a good kind of platform at Vieira for next season to hopefully make a few signings keep Gallagher I think they absolutely have to keep him him and Zaha have been very good together Elise has been very good when he comes in yeah. um, and they've just been they've been improving quietly so if they can keep that going like you said a couple of weeks ago the, the types of teams that are there in mid-table need to be focusing on trying to get in that Europa Conference League yeah definitely Um and like I said, Palace on a, on a, a, a kind of bad run. But yeah, like I said, quietly going about their business and people aren't really mentioning them when it comes to the Conference League, which would probably be 
makes them happy enough because there's no pressure on them. They yeah. can just under the radar completely. Go, go in, see see what happens. But um, fair play, Vieira is doing a good job there as well. In fairness to him, I uh, thought they'd definitely be in the relegation battle at least because they lost. I know they've got in a few loanees, but they they sold a lot of players and they didn't buy yeah. didn't really buy anyone. So it was going to be a tough tough job for him. But he's definitely seems to be doing something right there anyway has them playing decent football as well yeah this summer will be the job of either extending the loans or trying to buy players yeah. which is when this shit will hit the fan I think and he he might have to go looking elsewhere like I think I don't think Gallagher's getting anywhere near that Chelsea side same as Billy Gilmore with Norwich they're just not getting anywhere near it yeah they need to look elsewhere now Palace might be a little bit under Gallagher's ability but if they're progressing the way they have already this season, they have a chance of of being exactly where he needs to be. And he seems to be developing quite well under Vieira and with that team. Yeah, they might get another year out of him on, on loan. Um, it's a problem with... Well, well, not the problem. You can't blame the, these young players like Gallagher. And he, he won't want to leave Chelsea because obviously they're one of the top teams. So he'll want to get that opportunity yeah. to fight and get into that team. So if they offer him another year on loan, he might take that as opposed to... a. To actually leave in Chelsea, you know. Yeah. Again, as we keep saying, we we'll wait and see there. But Palace, like I said, quietly gone about their business and safe enough, tense with a good platform to build on. Yeah. Um. But look, I think that's all we have to say about that. We'll move on to our last review of the week, which is Watford and Arsenal, with four absolute crackers scored yeah. out of the five goals in this game. Jesus, unreal stuff. Um, and Arsenal played some tasty football in that game. They really did. We've been saying for a while that Arteta has them playing well, and those young lads, the Emil Smith-Rose, the Sackers, the Odegaards, the Martinelli's, are really coming to the fore in yeah. that. And for such a young side being in fourth, and like you said, with games in hand, they're... Now, look, Watford, 19th, put two past them. One being a relative kind of consolation goal, yeah. but... Still put put it up to him, and with that Hernandez bicey after Odegaard. That now the Odegaard goal was brilliant in its own sense of being a really good team goal. Yeah. They played it through the right wing out to him, and he put it away well. Hernandez came out of nowhere just to cross in and bang oh, bicey oh, over his head, really just finished well. like. Yeah, but yeah, then Arsenal kicked on from there. Obviously, uh, Saka and Martinelli. Martinelli's I thought yeah. was. They were, they were all good, but Martinelli's was a lovely yeah. move with an absolute beautiful finish as well. See, Saka stood out to me more because he won it back himself, played the 1-2 yeah. and then finished it. So you're always going to get different different kind of perspectives from people who yeah. prefer different ways games or goals are scored. You're, you're, yours is the more true team goal, which is more similar to Odengar's, where I'm more... Saka went in, did the job, played the 1-2 and... After winning the ball back and and, and then finished it off, buried yeah. an absolute peach like yeah yeah no well, there's no no denying there were two great goals you know well three great goals for Arsenal um and obviously yeah. the Boise from Watford and then the consolation at the end um so good yeah well gave them they still had a bit to fight for Watford but they didn't really look like managing to salvage a draw but um, well, similar to what we we're saying about United and Ch- and United and City. Arsenal did seem to be in control of the game, just a, a lacks a lack of closing out the game. I suppose let allowed that in in eighty seven, yeah. but sure they just they just took the ball back for the next few minutes. 
And so, and as we touched on there in the league positions, Arsenal are, what is it, one point ahead of United now? Or two points ahead, sorry, because United lost with three games in hand on them. It's a, it's a big difference, isn't it? Yeah, and they're six points, I think, off Chelsea with one game in hand on them. They'd be looking at third place, you know. Now, I don't don't think they'll get it, but but they, they, they could be looking up that far now. Well, I'm kind of trying to look and see if they still have to play Arsenal. They don't have to play Arsenal before the end of the season, but Chelsea do play quite a lot of teams who will be fighting. So the likes of Leeds, who could turn their fight their game around, West Ham and London Derby there, who West Ham will be aiming for Europe, Everton, who could be down in the relegation, United, who will be probably fighting, and then last day of the season, Watford, who will more than likely be gone yeah. by then. That's what I said, that I think, last week or the week before. Arsenal and United do play each other, and Arsenal do have to play Liverpool. But apart from that, Arsenal have, on paper, what you'd call a, a, a good run-in, um, yeah. which is why I ended up actually almost saying I'd put them as favourites to get top four based on all the other teams' run-ins. But then they're, like we touched on, doing a North London. They're, they're still Arsenal. They can still bottle it. So you, you never know. But they are playing great football under Arteta. Um, they still have that in them, though, to concede the goals like that, the way they, they gave yeah. Watford a slight chance. They, they will give teams chances. So that's what yeah. might be their downfall. You're saying they're only five points behind Chelsea with a game in hand. That That's all well and good, but the top three, their goal difference compared to Arsenal and fourth is mental. Yeah. 51, 50 for City, 51 for Liverpool, 35 for Chelsea, and then 12 for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. There's also 21 points in the difference between top and fourth. Like it's it's a It just seems that that top three, those top three teams, fair enough, Chelsea are within reach of of Arsenal it's just just a huge gap yeah. there between the abilities I know there's a, there's a massive gap and Chelsea are just about still you'd, you'd probably put Liverpool City and Chelsea kind of in the same bracket with Chelsea just about in that bracket as, as the, the top three as the gap between them and the rest um, but especially Liverpool and City the, the, the gap is just massive um, yeah so if Arsenal are pushing to, to get into that tour, that's very good. Fair play to them because no one would have yeah. really seen that. And especially the start of the season, it didn't go so well for them. They, were, yeah. they, they weren't they were happy with that. They, yeah, they were almost yeah. calling for his head because he obviously hasn't got much managerial experience and all this stuff. But, well, but it's, yeah, it's paid off. He's that they pulled out the bag now. Yeah, yeah. No, fair yeah. play. Well, just... We have a, we'll wrap it up soon enough, but just to kind of we've one game left that we won't have seen by the time this we go to through the edit and get the air. So the match tomorrow night, which would be Spurs and Everton. What do you think? <laughs> How long is a piece of string? Just just <laughs> a, just a, a what score do you think it'll end? I am gonna prediction. I'm gonna say a draw. Sit on the fence. I was going to go 2 1 Spurs. Yeah. Right. Who, who's well, at look, home? We'll see. I think it's Spurs. I think Spurs are home. Well, still, it doesn't really matter. I'm still going to draw. Yeah, yeah, Spurs are home. With uh, with Spurs as up and down as they are and Everton fighting, I just you, you just you, you, you won't be able to 
to call it. I don't think uh, it's going to be a tough one. It could be anything, really. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think you could like fault anybody for giving any prediction in that game. No. But Look, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, as we said, wrap it up there. Um, I suppose by the time this podcast goes out, the result of that game will be known. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, as we said, that's it then for episode sixteen and um, the usual yeah. stuff. Like follow on the socials there. What do we know? And give us the L five star rating on the platforms that you listen to us on, usually Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, and also anybody that wants to come on, give us a shout. Any of you that have half said you'd come on and are kind of bottling a bit, you know who you are. We'll come for you. It doesn't even need. To, yeah, it doesn't even need to be a sixty second summary. Just. We'll have a chat. We'll bring you in on the on your team's chat, and it won't it won't be long. It'll be a couple of minutes, yeah. and and then you can fuck off. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll tell all it. your friends that you're going to be on the radio. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave it there anyway. And as we always say, what, what do, do we, we know? know?